Welcome to the Contracting Officer Podcast. It's not just for contracting officers. If you work anywhere in the government acquisition world, this podcast is for you. Whether you work for government or industry, we're here to help you understand a little more about how the other side thinks. This episode is brought to you by Skyway Acquisition. Skyway gives you context from former contracting officers, just-in-time training in the government market, and consulting to solve your unique puzzles. Visit AskSkyway.com to learn more. The topic today is cost analysis versus price analysis. We've talked about the difference between cost and price before in government contracts. Now we dig into the differences in data requirements and analysis techniques. And apparently, I need to dial back on the coffee a little bit. I might have gotten a little heated on this one. Anyway, let's get started. In order for the government to award a contract, they first have to determine that the price being paid, about to be paid, is fair and reasonable. Yeah, but what's the definition of fair? What's reasonable? And who who gets to decide when? When is this decision made? So there's a FAR reference here, FAR 15.4, called contract pricing. And there's a section in there called proposal analysis. And it's all about how to do this. It's kind of a treasure trove. That's a strong word. It's a treasure trove of cost and price analysis techniques. that Basically tells the government how to answer this question. And that's what we're talking about today. But before we get started, let's stop and say thanks. I want to say thanks to Samir Nakwi and Shai Galad. Both of them share our content pretty regularly on LinkedIn, and that helps people find the podcast. So thanks for that. Thanks, guys. Today we're talking about price analysis, and this is a very, very high-level conversation about price analysis and, and cost analysis. High level, so don't get all judgy. It's high <laughs> level. There's a lot that we can't talk about here. Yeah, we can't fit it into a podcast, so we're, we're, yeah, we're going to skim across the surface that start this conversation about government contract pricing. Like you said before, this is FAR 15.4, specifically 15.404-1A, which says the objective of analysis is to ensure that the final agreed-to price is fair and reasonable. And it says... Contracting officer is responsible for evaluating the reasonableness of the offered price. That's the responsibility. What's the responsibility of the contracting officer? It's, it's determine a reasonable price, right? It also says in that same paragraph, the complexity and circumstances of each acquisition should determine the level of detail of the analysis required. In other words, that's the judgment part. That's the thinking part. It's how much detail do you need? That's a judgment call. Contracting Wait a minute. It can be different every time? Exactly. You don't have to just pull out the boilerplate from the last time you did something and do exactly the same thing, even though it's a completely different acquisition? I never did that when I was a CEO. What? What? That sounds pretty critical, but that is exactly what I did when yeah, I was yeah. a contracting officer. Got to be the same, but and, and the FAR specifically says don't treat them the same. The complexity and circumstances of each acquisition are going to drive how much detail you need, and that's that's a huge thing to remember. Let me make sure that we've set a baseline for what we're talking about here. There's a difference between price analysis and cost analysis. And the FAR lays this out. Same part, 15404-1A. You just read paragraph one. It goes on. The difference between price analysis and cost analysis is spelled out right here. It says price analysis shall be used when certified cost and pricing data are not required. And we've talked about certified cost and pricing data in other episodes. It also says cost analysis shall be used to evaluate the reasonableness of individual cost elements when certified cost and pricing data are required. 
that's an important distinction. And we're going to dive into that a lot deeper. But to sum it up, when you don't have certified cost and pricing data, you only have to think about price analysis. If you have certified cost and pricing data, then you're doing cost analysis and you're digging in. And the last bullet in that section says the contracting officer may request the advice and assistance of other experts to ensure the appropriate analysis is performed. So in other words, ask for help. If you, you don't if- have to do this alone. Let's talk about the price analysis side first. 15404-1B, lots of far in this episode. Price analysis is the process of examining and evaluating a proposed price without evaluating its separate cost elements and proposed profit. Without evaluating separate cost elements and proposed profit. Super important. It's so important I had to highlight it in red and bold it because you don't have to break out the cost when you're doing price. You just are looking at the top line. And how do you do price analysis? Paragraph two of this section says the government may use various price analysis techniques and procedures to ensure a fair and reasonable price. And then it lists examples, such as comparison of proposed prices received in response to the solicitation, period. Normally, adequate price competition establishes a fair and reasonable price. And I will come back to that about 100 more times in this episode. You can use a lot of techniques to determine whether the price is fair and reasonable. The very first one says, if you're competing it, if you have multiple offers, you should be able to say the price is fair and reasonable just on the basis that the market has set what a fair price is and all of the offers are probably in the same range. And this is another part where the judgment comes in is you may end up with six proposals, five of them are within 5% of each other, and then there's an outlier. Okay, you have to wonder what's up with the outlier. Now you get into questions of, you know, what what is unique about them? Did, did they not understand the requirement? Did they overprice something? But yeah, there's a judgment in there. But realistically, you have competition, and therefore you have a reasonable price. You look at those five and go, somewhere in there is a reasonable price. So whether it's the, the third one or the second one or the fifth one, if they're close enough, that is reasonable based on the fact that they're clicked they're together. They all saw roughly the same price. So the FAR allows you to just make the judgment call that if you have offers that are within the same range, they're fair and reasonable prices. We'll come back to that in a minute. The next example of a price analysis technique that you can use to ensure a fair and reasonable price is comparison of the proposed prices to historical prices paid, whether whether the government paid those or someone outside the government paid for, for those same items or similar items. And this is can be used for these commercial items, but you have to justify that this is a valid basis for comparison. This is your judgment again. And if it's really you're buying the same thing with the same terms in the same time period, roughly, you can probably say it's fair and reasonable based on that. All you have to do is document why you made that decision, and move on. And some other examples of of ways you can determine fair and reasonable price is use competitive published price lists. In other words, market prices for commodities, you know, like indexes, that kind of stuff. You can compare to proposed prices with independent government cost estimates. If you have the time and resources to come up with a government cost estimate, compare it to that. You also can use comparison of proposed prices with prices obtained through market research for the same or similar items. In other words, if Google tells you that this product sells for roughly $1,000 with every place you look, that's a fair reasonable price. So when it comes in for $1,050 in a proposal, 
is it really worth effort? (laughs) You're probably in the range. Yeah. Keep moving. And and that, that might be a little bit of an extreme example, but all, all of those things you just talked about, they're right out of the far. And it says, if you can compare this to something else and in your, with your judgment, say, this is a reasonable price, move on. You don't have to dive in and get all the dirty details about it. One more I want to talk about before we get out of this. We're stuck in far mode here. Before we get out of this, <laughs> another technique is the use of parametric estimating methods or the application of rough yardsticks. And it says such as dollars Please. per pound or per horsepower or other units. Actually, it says rough yardsticks in the far. That's just funny. Yeah, that's good stuff. I, I did this. I bought C-130 transport aircraft for the Air Force. This is way back in the days when people thought it might be a good idea to buy these firm fixed price using FAR Part 12. I probably told this story a million times. But this is a different piece of the same story, so it still applies. We'll, we'll let you repeat. We actually used parametric estimating methods to justify a fair and reasonable price. It turns out that if you're buying a cargo aircraft, an aircraft to haul stuff around, the dollars per pound of cargo that it can carry is roughly equivalent, whether you're buying a 747 cargo aircraft or a 767 or Airbus or a little plane, a big plane, or a C-5 or a C-130 big Air Force aircraft. It all fits right on a curve. And that really helped us say, this is about what a cargo aircraft should cost. We're still talking price analysis. Before we get off this, I have to say, the FAR foot stomps this for us. And it says the first two techniques are the preferred techniques, and meaning comparison of proposed prices received in response to a competitive solicitation, which is that adequate price competition establishes a fair and reasonable price. And the second is comparison of proposed prices to historical prices paid by the government or other customers. Those are the preferred techniques. Only if the contracting officer determines that the information that you got uh, based on the competitive prices or previous prices paid, only if that information isn't available or is insufficient, then do you dive into the rest of it. That's all you need. The FAR tells you, do it the easiest way, right? If it's competitive, it's fair and reasonable. If you can compare it to previous prices paid for similar stuff in similar circumstances, it's fair and reasonable. Move on. It's amazing. The FAR is actually trying to simplify. We just tend to make things more complicated by out of habit, I guess. I made it more complicated for myself all the time when I was a contracting officer. But from the industry side, you see it all the time. The amount of cost data that is requested for competitive proposals is stunning. And it's not necessary. It's not necessary. A lot of times when I asked for cost data, I was really opening up questions that once I see behind the curtain and see how the, the, the pricing is built up, now I start asking questions. And real, in reality, I don't care. I shouldn't care about how that price is built up as long as it's a fair and reasonable price at the end. So it ends up being a distraction. And I didn't see it that way when I was a CO. So if you're going to get competition, use that to judge how much cost data you actually need. So let's move on. We've talked about price analysis if you don't have certified cost and pricing data. So let's talk about cost analysis now. This is where if you do require certified cost and pricing data, and this is FAR 15401-1C, it says cost analysis is the review and evaluation of any of the separate cost elements and profit or fee in an offer or contractor's proposal 
as needed to determine a fair and reasonable price or determine cost realism. It also includes the application of judgment, 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 to determine how well the proposed costs represent what the cost of the contract should be, assuming reasonable economy and efficiency. So it doesn't say you have to evaluate every single cost element. It says as needed to determine a fair and reasonable price. And it also says there's judgment involved. Just like price analysis, the FAR gives a list of techniques for cost analysis that may be used given the circumstances of the acquisition. Not all the time, given the circumstances of the acquisition. The first one is verification of the cost data or pricing data and evaluation of the cost elements. And this is getting down to the necessity for and reasonableness of all the proposed costs, projection of the offer's cost trends. Are they getting more expensive or less expensive over time? And that also goes with the maturity of what they're selling. If you've done it before, you may be able to do it for less than you did it last time. It includes digging into parametric models or cost estimating relationships. Like they may not propose an exact number of systems engineers. They may say for every 100 hours of software development time, we need two hours of test and one hour of systems engineering time. That's a cost estimating relationship. It's not an exact science. It's an estimate. It also says that you need to evaluate the effect of the offer's current practices on future costs. I'm going to read here. The contracting officer shall ensure that the effects of inefficient and uneconomical past practices are not projected into the future. So, again, <laughs> this is a thinking job. They're, they're saying, okay, just because this is how it happened last time, let's not apply that same principle going forward. That is very different than the last the last topic, which was pricing. Pricing, you're, you're exactly doing that because you're like, well, this happened before. Let's do it again and assume that it's going to be the same. In this case, they're saying if they developed this one item and they built one of them last time, but now they're building a production line, the circumstances have changed. That's why it ends up being cost analysis because you're, you're looking through a different lens. Right. It used to cost a whole lot because I had a whole bunch of people sewing these things by hand. Now a machine does that. Right. So you can't just say because it used to cost this, that's fine. You have to understand why this matters for your specific circumstances. It seems like we're talking directly to contracting officers in this episode. I'm, I'm, I'm pointing my finger a lot and saying, you, you, you. It's not really fair to lump it all on contracting officers here. Yeah, because a lot of this is what we didn't know was in the FAR when we were COs. I, I didn't take the time to read that section and be able to point to that. When the reviewer of my file says, you don't have enough explanation, now you can point them to 15404-1C2II and say, I only have to get just enough information to keep this thing moving forward. I think that that's why we're going through this is that it's not that we're trying to say you're necessarily doing it wrong. It's this is the way you can do it. And here's all the FAR regulations to back you up. And industry, you can help the government during the pre-acquisition phases. When you're talking to them, you can help explain where all the comparables are and why tons of cost and pricing data might not be required for this source selection. Yeah, and you have context on what the CEO is looking for. If the CEO needs to be able to make the case, how can I honestly say this is a fair and reasonable price? If it's the only thing we've ever bought and we have no historical data, how do I, how do I connect those dots? That's what you're trying to help them do. Let me circle back again. Price analysis, when you don't have certified cost and pricing data, and you don't have to go through all the individual elements, and you don't have certified cost and pricing data when it's below the threshold, or in a competition, 
Certified cost and pricing data is generally not required. So if you're in a competition, you don't necessarily have to evaluate every single cost element. We would be remiss if we did not mention the time zones at some point during the episode. When does this happen? This is We're talking about the source selection zone, or if it's sole source, this is kind of the negotiation zone. So the end of the acquisition time zones, when a proposal has been submitted or when it's about to be submitted, and when the government's analyzing those costs to determine a fair and reasonable price. And then in the execution time zones, you're going to be in the performance zone because you're probably make, you could be making changes to the contract that are going to impact price. And so you're negotiating, how do I know that this change, we're, we're increasing this technology, we're increasing this, this number of units, we're changing the production line, whatever, has an impact on cost. And so understanding just enough information to make this is a fair and reasonable price to change the contract, that's going to happen during the performance zone. Engineering change proposals, you're usually in a sole source type situation, so you don't have that, hey, there's competition kind of out on it. So a lot of times more data is required, but you can still rely on, hey, we just bought 20 of these. We want 10 more. Do we need to go through all the pricing for those 10, or can we just say, we just bought 20 and it was competitive? These are roughly the same price, must be fair and reasonable. And I want to jump on something you just said. If the contract was awarded competitively, and now you're in the performance zone, you can use the facts that were competed to make decisions during the performance zone. In other words, if the price was considered fair and reasonable during the source selection when it was exposed to competition and nothing's really changed, well, then the price is still reasonable. So the facts around it haven't changed. So industry, if you receive a request for an engineering change proposal that asks for reams and reams, is that even a thing anymore, a ream, a volume? <laughs> For pages and pages, if it asks for lots of cost data, this is a good chance to talk to the government and say, hey, we just did all this stuff under a competition, and you said it was fair and reasonable then. Here is why our proposal now is comparable to that. It should still be fair and reasonable. This is an opportunity that industry has to take to help the government understand this kind of thing. Remember, your government folks are buying lots of different things. They're not necessarily looking at it like you look at it, where you know your stuff inside and out. The more you can help the government understand this context, the more likely that you can get to a fair and reasonable price without providing data down to the penny. Why is this so important to understand, Kevin? This is a thinking job. Price is a top-line price, and it's always going to be important to somebody, right? So if any of these techniques prove a fair price, move out. Don't dig any deeper than necessary. What the overhead rate is as a relation to price doesn't matter. If you get two offers and one has a higher overhead rate than the other because they their, their company is structured differently, but their prices are the same, you don't care what their overhead rates were. You care what the final price is. And it took me a long time to figure that out. And then on the cost side, yes, it's more complex. It's going to take longer. Sometimes only because I can see behind the curtain and I can see how the sausage is made, which leads me to more questions. So be careful. When you're getting more data, you're just going to end up with more questions. Yeah, if you ask for it, then you have to evaluate it. Make sure you understand what you're asking for and why. That leads us right into why should the government care? You got to use your judgment. You're using a fair measuring stick. The best fair measuring stick is competition. But you also have market conditions and previous prices and it says the stuff that we've talked about. But you're looking for context. You need to seek context. If you have context, you can apply sound judgment. The FAR gives you 
a lot of latitude in how to determine a fair and reasonable price. Use it. Own it. Yeah, if the agency supplement takes away some of that latitude, which that's a whole other topic, I send them to this podcast. Because <laughs> I think that's part of the problem is that the, the FAR gives you a lot of latitude and then some agencies kind of carve away that latitude and slow things down again. Circling back again to adequate price competition. This is your out. This is fair and reasonable. This is capitalism, supply and demand. The FAR says when adequate price competition exists – Generally, no additional data are necessary to determine the reasonableness of price. So generally means that there could be unusual circumstances where you need more. But in most cases, if it's a competition, the price will be reasonable. So that's a key way to look at this. If you have adequate price competition, it's by exception only that you're going to need additional data. More often than not, you get adequate price competition, that is a reasonable price. Move on. And this will speed up acquisition and make government contracting better, one contract at a time. Hmm. Let's flip to the industry side. This whole episode seems like we're just picking on the government folks. Use the FAR. You don't need as much. The FAR lets you get out of this. We're not trying to get around anything. We're trying to get to fair and reasonable. Industry should care because industry's proposal, when, they, when you submit a price from the industry side, you're submitting what is a fair and reasonable price to you. If it's a competition, you're not going to price it $1 higher than you think is fair and reasonable because you're trying to win. Industry builds up costs from scratch every time. So the basis is there. But having to provide that data in the government-prescribed format over volumes and volumes of uh, spreadsheets that are, are then crammed into Word documents to have them make sense as a cost volume, that takes a lot of time builds in room for errors and discrepancies. It takes a whole special team of people to, to build that kind of proposal because it's not coming right out of the pricing tool usually. And then the government has to evaluate all that data. It's not usually required. So industry, if it's a competition and the draft RFP spells out massive cost volume requirements, this is a great time to ask why that cost information is needed. This is a great time to provide the government with evidence that a fair and reasonable price can be determined without all of that data. Help them understand why they don't need it. You can't just say, we don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, you have to give them context. Give them context on why all this additional data are not going to be needed. But I got to say, on the industry side, it's hard to not revert to your usual practices. I, I know that... Just getting a proposal out the door can be frustrating. There are review requirements. When I was a contracting officer, one time I had four contractors that I was going to have submit proposals to do a firm fixed price study. Give me three months worth of work and give me a study on how you would do this. I had done the analysis myself on huh, three months worth of work for this many people, You know, using my best engineers and smart people on the government side to say it should take about this much work. I determined that it should cost about $500,000. I told these four offers, give me a $500,000 firm fixed price proposal to do this study. Three out of four of them gave me all the backup for how they built that $500,000. And none of them were at $500,000. They're all like $499, $996, $21 because they had tried to build it up using the tools they had. The fourth offer said, 
$500,000 on their cover page and didn't provide any data at all. I didn't ask for it, but I understand on the industry side that there's a way you do things and it's hard to convince the powers that be on the industry side that you don't need to provide all this data because that's the way our systems work. Let's wrap it up before we get any deeper. This one's going long anyway. <laughs> yep, there's a lot to cover, man. If the government has some metric, any metric, as a contracting officer, if I have any metric that I can use to say that the price is reasonable or compare it to something else, just go with price. For example, let's take a Tesla. Tesla is $60,000-ish, right? Is that reasonable? Yeah, because the market said so. Is $250,000 for a Linux developer, for a you know, software developer, is that a reasonable salary? In Silicon Valley, yes, because the market said so, right? And on the other extreme, is a billion dollars for a stealth bomber reasonable? Well, okay. That's or, two, or two billion. Or two billion, yeah. It's <laughs> different conversations. And now cost analysis comes into the conversation. We're going to dig a little bit deeper. So there are differences there that just because it appears to be a shockingly high price doesn't mean that we default to getting a whole lot of cost data. If it's a competitive price per adequate price competition or commercial or whatever metric you can use, don't fight over costs when all you need is a fair price. Yeah. I bet back in the day, the, the pricing for the stealth bomber competition, even though it was a competition, I bet that data filled a room. <laughs> I bet there are stacks and stacks and stacks of paper for those poor people to try to analyze. Yeah, they, they definitely had paper. There's no way you're emailing a file that big back then. I don't think email existed then. <laughs> it's up to both sides to justify that fair price. Industry, you can help government understand a fair price so that they don't feel the need to request the mountains of cost data that, unfortunately, are generally requested during a source selection. Okay, that's it for today. I'll talk to you later, Kevin. See you, Paul. Okay, that's it for this episode of the Contracting Officer Podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, help us spread the word by telling a friend. If you don't, help us make it better by sending me an email at paul at contractingofficerpodcast.com and let me know what you like, what you don't like, and how you think it could better serve you. Thanks for joining us.